Good afternoon, good afternoon. We're doing an, another KG Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc podcast with a, a special guest who was the yes. guest graced us with his presence. I'm going to add some of his knowledge and insight to our podcast and we'll toss it over to my man Dr. Cabill to introduce our awesome guest. Certainly. Thank you, Chris. It is my honor to bring in our special guest. Charles Bishop of Dr. Ville's Inside the HBC Sports Lab, among other sports analysis and things that you do in regards to covering sports in general, specifically in a lot of areas of high school sports mm-hmm. out of the greater Texas area, as well as HBCU sports across the country. Um, so you've been with me on the radio show as we did uh, our weekly show yeah. at... Um, KKBQ 92.9 every Tuesday from 6 to 7 Central Time. Mm-hmm. Um, those can catch it live. You can go to KCOH in terms of the tuning app. You can also go to KCOH TV as you Google it up. And if you can't get it in regards to um, uh, in live and you just want to do it on your own time, you can go to the Podcast exactly. and get it done on SoundCloud. SoundCloud, exactly. And catch it whenever your time is available. You can do that, and, and we'll bring you in. You can go to SoundCloud and look at Doctorville inside the HBC Sports Lab. Mm-hmm. So we're excited about bringing you to the table uh, and to those. So if you would introduce the people and tell a little bit about how you got in the business and sure uh, why you decided to join us on this show. Well, sure thing. Uh, first and foremost, it's a it's an honor to be here uh, to to contribute to this podcast, but uh, I. I literally I, I, I was listening to Dr. Cavill one day and, and decided to give him a call and that's how I kind of became acquainted uh, with this side of the business and I have uh, definitely enjoyed my time in terms of, of, of being on uh, Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab. Uh, I think uh, I have a, a passion of course for HBCU sports but I'm a sports fan in general. So I, I, you know, have without a, a doubt, I, I, <laughs> real quick, you certainly are a sports fan. He, this man is is modest in regards. Let me tell you how he came in there and <laughs> took me to task, uh, as we would say in those that are familiar about the fraternity world, particularly uh, in terms of black letter Greek organizations. In fact, he came in there in, in my office where I do sports management in the house at Texas Southern University as we try to uplift and move our students in terms of understanding the business of sports. I have a framework that has Alpha Phi Alpha (laughs) up there in the background. It's pretty modest. It's not huge. You know, I'm not the super alpha, if you would. I do love my experiences about that, and a lot of people do recognize what I get done. And I got Woodley coming into the table, smiling at me as if I'm bigger than the Alpha than the Light. No, I, you <laughs> hadn't seen Super Alpha if you think I'm about it. I've seen some of the folks, you can't get them out of peril. You be like, man, what you doing? All right. Yeah. But <laughs> he said, oh, excuse me, what's that back there? I said, okay, so you know something about that. So I said, oh, so this man just going to charge me up like this. I said, oh, I didn't come in my office. So this is a cold brother, so man. don't listen to all that modesty. He going to get down with us, uh, as we say it in our vernacular, in terms of having some fun. But more importantly, as we continue to do for our listeners, and Chris, in terms of the leadership of this group, wouldn't happen in any other way. We're going to bring you information in terms of sporting context, and we'd like to believe that we're bringing it from an angle 
uh, that is quite different from what you generally get out there. And so that we're really excited about expanding our team, having a new visitor, if you would, guest on the show. And you can get ready to hear him periodically when we bring in a new sporting context of what's going on. I'm looking forward to it. So this is enjoyable. So. Thank you. With that, I'm going to pass it back to Chris. Appreciate it, Doc. And Charles, welcome. And, you know, I've sat in on some of you guys' shows at the station, so I know y'all know what you're talking about because we wouldn't have you on here. Right. You know what you're talking about. Sure thing. So sure thing. Not, we'll take shorts on here. We don't deal in alternative facts <laughs> on these podcasts. I couldn't say it better than myself. Yes, so Wildcat has joined us and let him get situated. So we got four brothers, four knowledgeable brothers that's going to share Do we? our insight and I feel like I'm lost to knowledge, and knowledge with, us, <laughs> with you listeners during our podcast. So uh, we're going to do what we do here. We're trying something different. Hopefully it works out because we're doing this via Skype as well. So there may be some feedback and echoes and things of that sort. But this is a first time thing and, and hopefully it works out for us. We're going to all four of us were able to do this in our own specific endeavors and Doc was able to add Skype to some of his uh, shows on at the station. That's the plan. And then we'll ch chime in with some of our uh, podcasts we're planning for in Final Four coming up in Dallas Woo. in roughly six weeks. Yep. All of us have been approved yep. for Women's Final Four now. It's been taken care of. We got that, that arranged, finalized a few days ago. So we'll be doing that from, from Big D to watch UConn win another championship, right Wildcats seems like yes. most likely. <laughs> um, right now, there's no one on the horizon that has, att they've attempted to challenge, but now that the women have gone back to four quarters, by the last 10 minutes of the game, <laughs> it's not a question. Yeah, if they can keep it close for three quarters, is what you allude to, we've seen a major accomplishment. I'm going for a quarter first, the first quarter. Oh, right now. Let's get to a half. And then wow. let's, let's be honest. By the time the tournament starts, when UConn gets into that power mode, as they say, yeah. and that and that, that never, uh, uh, one, uh, one word never, rises up in that, in that mental state, teams will not make an adjustment quick enough to uh, the onslaught that oh, what's about to come to him. You're exactly right, Woodley. When you think about that, as I was new to the table, oh, yeah, you know, I didn't have the same appreciation for women's basketball that I, I probably should have. And I just thank you all for both bringing me to the table because what I witnessed was yeah. like nothing else. Mm -hmm. And most people don't get that because even when 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 the change was made of, of U of H making a, making a move over to the Big East as now the American uh, – there were some summer league coaches that was questioning that move mm. just because of the fact that they had seen... High school coaches were questioning oh, as dude. well. That's, that's an expanded it out. But that's <laughs> high school... The coaching in, in, on the high school level, period, in the state of Texas, that was a big question. Between Houston and Dallas, uh, coaches were... Parents were asking, is, is this a good move? And Chris and myself were saying... It has to be because you you only going in one direction. You either go. Well, if you're gonna challenge the top, is what you're alluding to. Oh yeah. You might as well jump into, into the, the fire. fire. Well, let's get to the chase though. The parents 
some of the coaches in the high school coaches were scared. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My child can't handle this competition. I'm not sure she's ready for this Big East basketball competition. That, that was a mental state. Well, we, wow. we, we brought so it off. He'll tell you about this. His daughter plays AAU, so he's gotten a different perspective of women's basketball, I'm sure, than he ever has before. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely learning that, you know, it is, it's, 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 it's big time. You know, it's, it's, it's big business. My, my question that I wanted to ask is uh, you would think that uh, with UConn's success, Everybody would have met the challenge of where UConn is. Why has that not happened? Now, he and I have watched him over. It's going on almost twenty I, years I, now. I, so. I can. I have my thoughts on that. <laughs> okay. and Chris and I have, have watched him almost twenty years up close, mm-hmm. and wow, it's it's not so much of what you see on TV. It's what you see in a timeout, and having the opportunity to see that with not uh, up close, there's a difference. Because when he when Geno calls a timeout, everybody rushes to the sideline. Mm-hmm. They don't linger. They don't wait. They just go over there and whatever come out of his mouth, whether it's a scream out. Uh, we even watched it with with uh, Tennessee with with Pat Summit. Kids just okay. We screwed up. We got to correct this. We only got one or two minutes and all to get back out on the floor. And once they do. That's a look on their faces when they step back out on the floor that you don't see from another team. Wow. And quickly, it happens within four to, to, oh, they to make five. Runs. They make runs right. quick. quick. Right. And to add to that, UConn's practices are harder than their games, especially the games in conference play hmm. because the American Federal Conference is a current conference. The rest, the, Those teams in the conference are not up to UConn's level. They're slowly getting there in USF, South Florida, uh, Temple, and Tulane. All those three teams are being considered for the tournament mm-hmm. as four teams from the from the conference, which is a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. USF is ranked, but the mentality that UConn has, the mindset that they have, separates them from everybody else, and that means from t- number two on down to everybody else. The second ranked team. It's not on UConn's level when it comes to practicing mentality and mindset. Before you jump in and ask a question, Charles, I want to give a different framing because you're talking about on the court, specifically looking at the coaches, but I also want to take it off the court as I like to do in terms of a business framework. Uh, one thing that also UConn was, is currently the benefit of is that they were first to the market, hmm. right? Yeah. They were okay. first to the market. They were one of the first programs in terms of women's basketball, along with Tennessee, mm-hmm. Texas, Stanford, USC, some of those teams have fallen off because Latte, they that, didn't maintain because they didn't maintain about what I'm about to say is the commitment. And when I say commitment, I'm saying commitment mainly from a financial perspective. Chris alludes to this all the time when he talks about how do these uh, group of five take that next step. A lot of it is about the financial commitment. And I'm not here to argue whether that commitment makes sense in terms of business perspective. I think we can go back and forth whether you spend that type of money to do it. But I'm just saying in terms of the end results, if you can make that commitment and decide to, I think one of the things that UConn does not get enough credit for is the commitment, the financial overall sporting commitment for women's basketball that they have made and committed to that program Mm -hmm. once they were able to get to the level with finding the right coach Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. 
and putting in a commitment where there were some challenges where he admits to the fact that he was thinking about leaving. Oh, yeah. But they made a financial commitment that made it maybe a little more challenging for him to move as fast as he probably would if that was not the case. Mm -hmm. It made it a little more challenging. And for us that follow women's basketball, particularly for you gentlemen that have done it for longer, it's a credit to UConn that they did that because you could have possibly lost the jewel in the masses, which I'm sure you've seen from other coaches that have made the switch, whether it's a head coach's assistance. But one of the bottom lines that UConn has done mm-hmm. They've done it in men's basketball, which many of us is, is, do not question mm-hmm. because that's usually what we see when schools do it. But the fact that they did it for women's basketball, it has paid off dividends. Mm-hmm. And you see those dividends now in terms of the level of success and what you have in terms of recognition of the institution that is associated with Gino, Coach Gino. Uh, and what he's able to do, what he's done at the Olympic level, and those players that commit to that him and therefore the institution and even more so women's basketball that keeps pushing it forward and everybody else has not been able to add all those pieces of the puzzles together to make it run, which is which to me is very salient point that we cannot just focus on coaches. But I think there are a lot of good coaches out there. But you may not have the administrative side that aligns with what great coaches are able to do, particularly for a long period of time. Hmm. So there's some programs that will make a commitment, but they'll make it for a short period of time. And if they don't see the success as fast as they want, they start pulling out. We see this in other businesses. This is nothing new to the American lexicon and to the world framework. Hmm. You'll make a commitment, and if you're not careful and you don't see that commitment all the way out, uh, before it can really pay dividends, if you pull away uh, because you're hemorrhaging money, that's a significant decision you make. And let's be real with it as we in the time we are. Yeah, we have Title IX, but it's one thing to have Title IX and play lip service to it than it is to have Title IX and have a belief in it. Hmm. Right? Hmm. That, that, that is a serious framework in terms, and I'm going to stay with not just the world, but America right now. We play a lip service to a lot of things mm-hmm. and say that we're trying to look at diversity and inclusion mm-hmm. or we're looking at Title IX or gender equity. We play some lip service to it, which financially is good because we do need to celebrate women. I've done a better job of that in myself of understanding my frailties or where I came short. And I'm talking about in terms of industrial standards. What do you do? to provide diversity and inclusion, which includes gender equity, to make sure that you're pushing women issues, whether it's in sports or not, to the forefront in such a way, or all you're about is the bottom line to what is going to generate your revenue and what is oftentimes easiest to do, which could be male sports, mm. whether it's on football or men's basketball. What is it that separates the UConn dynasty. We've seen dynasties within college football. We've seen Miami. We've seen Nebraska. But but this UConn dynasty, it is even more elite than elite women's basketball. Why why is that? Two things. The first one is coaching staff. It's been a consistency. Um, Gino doesn't doesn't like a lot of changes. So he, he, he makes an effort and all to 
stay within his coaching family. Uh, when his girls uh, 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 graduate, they usually some of them was will come back and and, and uh, you know go off and play and then come back and coach. But a lot of them would take a chance and all the opportunity to go get into coaching. And that that mentality, uh, well, there's the instances and all and the situation that they were in while they were in school playing for him. They basically take that beyond, as I say, when we graduate, we take our education and enlighten and move on, improvise, evolve, and then move up to the next level. On that, that's, that's the first part. The second thing is in recruiting. Gino looks for a certain type of kid mentally. No matter where their basketball skills are, if that kid can evolve and make adjustments on the floor and understand during a timeout, I need you to go back out and in a situation, two minutes, four minutes, five, six, and you just tell them that's all you have when you step back on the floor. It's up to you to extend your time limit. That's, mm -hmm. if, if you don't wow. instill that into a kid at an early age or at that stage while they're developing, that doesn't carry on forward. So now they grow and all while they're out on the basketball court. Let me let me ask piggyback on what Wildcat said there. Chris Daly has been associate head coach with Gino the whole time he's been at UConn. That's thirty two years they've been together. Wow. At UConn. Mm -hmm. The other head coaches on staff, Shay Ralph been there nine years, former player. Russell Mosley's been there eight years. So there is a consistency in the coaching staff. Mm -hmm. Recruiting, Gino has told us Directly yeah. Yeah. and media, who I mean, they have UConn has a, a UConn media nation that follows them around the Northeast. New York media follows UConn around throughout the country. Mm -hmm. Sports New York has pre game, pre post game for UConn women's basketball. Think about that. Wow, <laughs> women's basketball has a pre game, the game, and post game. You don't have that for men's basketball everywhere. Right. Right. In terms of recruiting, Gino has told us point blank, I, and I have I've had um, players tell me, UConn recruits tell me, Gino's told us, I've told them point blank, we're going to win with you, or we're going to win without you. Hmm. <laughs> you come here, or not. Mm -hmm. Either way, we're going to win. All right. So if you want to be with us or against us, we're going to win without you. It's up to you. Wow. So that's that's the Mariah Jefferson from Dallas. He told her her dad told me that. That's what he told her point blank recruiting. In-home in visit. Why are you a talented player? And she was one of the first Texas players that he recruited. So they accepted. And, and accepted. They, they accepted. Point blank. Mariah, we're going to win with you when you come to UConn. We're going to win. Mm -hmm. So you, you join us or not? How does, that, how does that resonate more with UConn's program than with any because other? Because at the beginning of the season, it, this even happened at Tennessee during, during Tennessee's run. Now, we know where we're going at the end of the season. Mm -hmm. We don't know where everybody else is going, and neither do you. Hmm. But we know what we're going to be. And banners don't go up until you get to that point. It's expectations. Hmm. UConn expects to win championships. Other programs are happy just to be there. They're happy to win a conference championship. They're happy to win this, that, and other. UConn wins national championships. If that don't, they don't do that, the season's been a failure. Wow. That's the expectation they have set 
for the entire program from administration on down to the players, even the scrub players, 9, 10, 11, 12. This team right this season yeah. may have 10 players on it, seven of whom play. Mm-hmm. But they're still undefeated, adding to the winning streak that is now 95 games and counting with yesterday's butt-kicking of Houston of 91-42. <laughs> it's not even close, yeah. You know, <laughs> and see, I want to get, fellas, allow me this as Charles is our guest. I want to get your thought on this. From an outside perspective, what what are your thoughts on UConn games and the blowouts? Is it does it interest you? Uh, well, no. It takes it, it honestly. It takes the interest away from it because I know the outcome. So, it, t- to be quite honest, um, the competitiveness of it is what kind of keeps me tuned in. When Notre Dame was good um, a few years ago, mm-hmm. uh, it, it helped me to kind of tune in a little bit more to the women's basketball game. But when you have a team that's so dominant. Uh, even the the next closest team is still not within range. You know, it kind of takes the interest away from me. So now I watch UConn just to watch, you know, uh, excellence. Excellence, exactly. Watch uh, the the elite of of UConn of of women's basketball. So that's the only interest that it holds from that standpoint. But uh, I would love for them to have a challenge every now and then. Fifty point blowouts. It kind of takes the interest away. And you know, you know, agrees with you. He wants to be challenged. Yeah. He wants he wants the conference that they are in right now to be better from top to bottom. He wants the boats to be raised. He wants to float all boats to mm-hmm. rise up. So it's good that USF is getting better. I thought I expected more from South Florida this year. They're a top twenty five ranked program with Charleston. The final score of that matchup was one oh two to thirty seven. Wow. That's South amazing. Florida was ranked twentieth at the time of that bubble. Yeah. A sixty five point Victory. That I'm with you now. I'm I'm tired of teams losing to UConn. I'm not tired of UConn winning. Right. I'm right. tired of teams losing to UConn and accepting it as oh well, you know. It's UConn. UConn. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and so, that shouldn't happen on no level. Right. Well, I don't. I don't think they necessarily just accept it. I think they understand it is where they are in the place. And again, I'll take this back to the uh, business. There, there's something to be said. For you being the first in the market. There's a reason why McDonald's, while a lot of people still have problems with their food over the years, the fact that they have the market share is the fact that they were first in the market. And they continue to do the small things at least keeps them at a competitive advantage. You see that with Coca-Cola. You see that with different brands across the nation uh, that are first in the market. And that's why I think it's so important when you look at this is when you start pairing off of what they're doing in athletics to what they're doing in other businesses to understand the fact that they made that commitment so early and as you alluded to that they're able to keep those pieces of the puzzles early when you start comparing this to other sports uh, I mean not other sports but even on the men's side you think about it it may be more teams but essentially it's the same what five top five teams what they call the blue bloods if you would Kentucky Kansas Duke we just seen it with the big 12 whatever they tend to be the same teams that at the top five and one of those teams over a 10-year period tend to be the teams playing for a championship that are winning every once in a while you have somebody else fall in in sports it doesn't change even in football you look at the superpowers even with all these teams that have all this money across and all these great conferences Year after year, it tends to be the same programs. We just took look at it a little differently because it tends to be a little more competitive sure. about going on. But that's essentially what's taking place. 
So the only real reason that you're going to be able to change this, to be honest with you, it's not going to be about teams catching up. It's going to be about you changing the regulations. Now, it's the first time you heard this, but let it be known. When you that far out in terms of your competition, the only way you're going to change is the same way they do in business. It's deregulation. It's going to be about rules change in the NCA, uh, whether it's the capacity of another scholarship you can offer, something of that framework, actually rule changes in the game. That's the only way that you're going to level the ship. It's, they're so far ahead that it's not going to be about putting money uh, at this. Because as you alluded to, you can go into a house uh, about this. Think about it. UConn does not win all the recruiting battles. Right. Right? Right. What they do is they win enough of their fair share that is embedded within a system and a coach that is top heavy and no and a institution, a business that is all on the same page. So unless you can get one of those pieces to start falling off, not much is gonna change. So unfortunately unless Gino Lee's there's one capacity of UConn in terms of conference affiliation doesn't have the financial wherewithal to make the same financial commitment. You're not going to see much changes. What was the, I guess, the framework that kind of broke up the UCLA dynasty? Okay. Two things. One, when they were, when it was time to make a change, it wasn't a change that. The First of all, put a historical lens on it. When. Did UCLA win these championships? In the 70s. In the, in the 70s, 60s and 70s. Yeah, I'm going to let you finish now, and then I'll add the, the historical the, the, context. The, two, the, the biggest part of that was recruiting was different then. Uh, the talent wasn't as spread it out as it, as it is now. Kids were enamored with UCLA. Okay. So when the phone call happened, that was an answer. When the letter came, high school coach handed it over to the kid. That was prestige in getting that information with UCLA's uh, borderline on the envelope and on the, head, on the uh, headline. Now, it's a difference. They are not as enamored with UCLA as they are with Kentucky. It's about flash and dash, mm -hmm. glare, get an opportunity to play in the league. But I go back to what I started at first. That was consistency in the coaching staff. Mm. Coach wouldn't have been there forever. On his staff was Denny Crump, who ended up going to Louisville. Yeah. Well, to make a long story short, when it was time, when it was they were getting ready to make a change, and Coach Wooden was moving on. The administration at that time didn't want Denny to be the person replacing, which would have kept consistency going, hmm. which would have also kept recruiting going. Okay, you had a lockdown. Now, when that changed. You move all the way across the country from the West Coast over to the Bluegrass. Mm -hmm. Historically, state of Kentucky. Sure. Louisville is looking to make a change. They're looking to make a move up. Mm -hmm. Kentucky was still had, had it all going their way. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, now you got a, a, a run of coaches in between, former players. Uh, guys that weren't enamored, had, 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 were never in the program, didn't understand the culture. As Doc says, when he when he starts talking about you know understanding what's going on around you, and as uh, Coach Brown says, coaches came in and didn't recruit the recruits that were there. Mm. 
so that kid started drifting. Sure. When UCLA finally made a move up and, and get, found the right coach, he wasn't there long. It was like the headache and all from up front, up from up top, and all that. Because Coach Wooden comes and sits at the games. I, I talked to coaches in that other coaches in that conference. When he was, he would come and sit at the game. He wouldn't, he wouldn't open up his mouth, wouldn't say a word. He'd just sit and watch. Mm -hmm. But that ghost, that gorilla in the room, <laughs> and he's sitting right there watching, and you are not, you, you, you not feeling comfortable mm -hmm. in your seat. Mm -hmm. All you gotta do is win them. Mm -hmm. And let me before you before you add your point, I want the listeners to know, all four of us have developed relationships with coaches. Yeah. All four of us. Yep. No so don't no. get it twisted and think for a second that we don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> right. And I'm just going to toot all of our horns to let you know we have been to practices. We have seen firsthand behind closed doors. We have seen these things. We've seen, we've talked to coaches off the record, yeah. on the record. Mm -hmm. We know what's going on. Yeah. And I'm not trying to, well, yeah, I am. Trying to bash some folks out there that are on public radio over the airwaves who have more style over substance. We are substance. Mm -hmm. So don't get it twisted. All four of us know what we're talking about. So what we say to you, we have input from other people that you can take it for fact. So this is just not throwing stuff out there against the wall and see if it sticks. No, no, no. We know what we're talking about based on conversations, and things that we see eye to eye on a daily basis in some cases. Go ahead, Doc. Thank you. I was going to add on to Whitley. I also want to make sure that we add the context of history. I think history is so important when we start looking at this. And so one of the things I like to try to bring in the table when we talk about sport business is not understanding the sport business lens, but also the historical lens. You know, I've trained really hard to make sure when I look at business that I not only do the analytical lens but also do the historical and sometimes even necessary political lens in regards to leadership capacity. When we talk about the 70s and that's why I thought it was so important that people understand the year that was taking place. We know now because of historical frameworks that what took place in the 70s, right? Mm -hmm. Well we have to go back. What was taking place in the 60s? Mm -hmm. 60 was a very traumatic time in this country. Civil in a lot of ways in this world. Some people would call it civil unrest. Mm -hmm. Some people would call it civil <laughs> disobedience. <laughs> even those in civil awakening. <laughs> You're right. Even those are, civil awakening. Yeah, even those are negative connotations mm -hmm. in terms of that in a lot of ways. But a lot of people were pushing for the power. I'll say it in that way, right? They were looking for equality. Mm -hmm. uh, some would say they were even looking for equity. Some, Many would argue that that didn't come at the time. But let's be frank on that. When you look at 60s, UCLA was one of the first programs, at least in basketball, that would what would recruit people of color, sure. African American. Mm -hmm. sure. We cannot hide that framework from the discussion, which allowed them to be powerful. Mm -hmm. And because of the success that that team had, they were better able to market that program, and therefore better are, uh, able to market that institution. Mm. Were there institutions in the South that had segregation? You know, Jim Crow was the law of the land. Right. And until 54, it was legislate, legislated through our federal system. Mm -hmm. 
that they didn't have any problems with that. So if you are only recruiting one segment of the country in terms of participating in your sports, it is not hard to imagine that it's more difficult for you to challenge that. Some would argue that the part that you wasn't recruiting were actually more committed to playing athletics from the standpoint because they thought it would take them out of their situation, which in a lot of places was very destitute. Let's be clear and frank on this, right? Mm -hmm. So it is a whole different framework when you look at UCLA in terms of what they were able to commit when you add in the historical perspective. Now, I think it is fine to do it from a record standpoint, right? And I think Gino alludes to that, that that is different. He doesn't necessarily get in the historical part, but he pardons and says, hey, that was a different era. So we get so fascinated with sports, and we have to find a way to provide analytics, really what you're doing, data analysis on this. But we don't take in the context of historical, social framings, psychological framings. We don't do enough to that to really tell the whole story of the uh, of the puzzle, if you will, when bring this together. But those are components that really allowed UCLA to be so successful that, again, they were what? As I alluded to Connecticut. They were one of the first, first. to the market. Mm. Right? Okay. We don't necessarily like to look at sports in terms of business, and we certainly don't like to do it when we're talking about people. That's why it's a challenge when we talk about NCA, because a lot of what NCA does is outside of the norms of society in terms of them commercializing on one side, but are not allowing athletes to commercialize themselves, mm-hmm. right? right? That is antithesis to what we do in America in a lot of frameworks. But as an institution, UCLA did that very early, right? And a lot of your other institutions, even Ken- Kentucky, which are later understood if they wanted to keep what their brand awareness, they had to open it up. Sure. Right, Indiana, right. Even though it's in the Midwest, this was an area that, if we talk about, was the original birthplace of the Ku Klux Klan. Right. Right. We 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 don't we don't talk about these difficult challenges in the country. Mm-hmm. So why talk about I'm talking about in general. Right. Certainly, I'm gonna bring it to the table. And I'm not saying that Indiana doesn't have a rationale to be a proud program. It doesn't. It hasn't pushed for it. They're struggling now to try to find those parts. But a lot of that is because they haven't found a way to open it up. Mm-hmm. That they're still marginalized in terms of how they think and what they do. And these politics and policies cannot be separated from what you do on uh, outside of sports. And we try to separate the two, and it does not exist. Mm-hmm. People look. Uh, people are making decisions. In terms of where they're going to send their kids. So you're doing this on a political and policy level in the state of Indiana. Where the Spence is the governor and you're trying to build a program. That's a challenge. Hmm. That makes a lot right? of sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of bringing a national esteem in. And Notre Dame with their academics. That's a challenge. It's not to say that you can't do it. But it becomes more challenging, more difficult. These are things that play out through the lens of sports. That we're going to cut across this and provide a very challenging lens on it. The last thing I want to bring up is when we look at those issues, that's why I was happy with the opportunity to uh, write a couple of different articles in this book, Critical Race Theory, Black Athletic Sporting Experience in the United States. Billy Hawkins, Akilah 
Carter, Francique, and Joseph Cooper, uh, doctors um, at their respective levels. Billy Hawkins, a professor now that went from Georgia to U of H, um, a full professor, very well-written individual that really talks about the colonization of sports in sporting frameworks. He's dynamic into what he does to the table, and he's brought in students that have studied under his tutelage, uh, Dr. Akilah Carter-Francique, now at Prairie Viennium University, Dr. Joseph Cooper, that's UConn, and they put a, a book together to have people look at um, ethnic framing of sports in America across the world based on this theory called critical race theory which was written by Bale and Derek Bale in regards to a legal framework for this so these are uh, issues that yeah sometimes we get lost in just from a academic perspective but if you really want to understand sports you need to open yourself out and just don't look at the scores and highlights on ESPN you need to really open up the lens and that's what we like to try to think that we bring to the table right here. Mm -hmm. Yes sir. Who are you sir? I can fuck find you on the internet. Certainly. I'm Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L and that's the handle. You can reach me on the social media platforms of Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L and if you like to challenge yourself, sometimes make yourself uncomfortable, I would love for you to follow me because that's what I do is I put out that information. I certainly retweet articles um, and they're not always just sports. Oftentimes my facet and my interests are more about HBCU sports, but I also like to look at leadership and uh, business marketing of sports as well as social and political frameworks in terms of what ties this all together. So you'll see me retweet articles. Um, that may be outside of sports when you originally think about it but if you read those articles and really challenge yourself you'll see the connections that they make for sports and that's what I like to think I bring to the table is to challenge people to think about things a little differently not always agree with me but at least challenge yourself to see things from an entirely different perspective uh, on issues so you can follow me on those social media platforms again Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. And as you know, Charles, they can catch us every Tuesday live from 6 to 7 on KKBQ 92.9 FM HD2. As we do our show, Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab is one of the few shows, if not only show around the country, that truly focuses on HBCU sports uh, from the Sporting HB Diaspora with a business perspective unlike anybody else. And if you can't catch it live, certainly understand that. Um, you can go to TuneIn at KCOH if you want to catch it live. You can Google it up on KCOH TV to catch it live. But I know people's schedule are quite busy and you're on the go. Don't worry about that. We do it as a podcast. You can go to SoundCloud and pull it up uh, at your leisure at Dr. Gaville's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab. And we'd love to have you join us. Send us some emails, topics you'd like us to explore in terms of the HBCU perspective or questions you may have. We'd love to answer. Charles, do you, are you on the wonderful world of social media? I am on the wonderful world of social media. I am on Twitter. 
you can find me at uh, Charles Bish, C H A R L E S B I S H, 1953. So. Wildcat? Yeah. What's up, man? How can folks find you, sir, on the internet? Well, you can find me all over the place, sometimes too many places. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, TweetDeck, at JL Woodley1, Jerry L. Woodley Jr., um, SoundCloud, uh, Blogger, Blogspot, and YouTube at AKSV, the CSR, the College Sports Report. And I am, I am with the U of H of the Houston Round Bar Review, HoustonRoundBarReview.com, Houston Round Bar Review on YouTube, Houston Round Bar Review on Instagram, VHR Review on Twitter. I just want to say real quick to tie in because this is a UConn centric podcast, and I'm cool with that. Let folks know that. We may be in Houston with us, live up to our name. <laughs> Local name, natural perspective. Because we can do, we do what we do. True. UConn shares a conference with U of H. Wildcat and I have covered U of H women's basketball for a long time. Yep. Last time U of H women's basketball was good. Wow. Chandler Jones and Sancho were there. 2003, 2004, yeah. 04, 2005. Along with Giggles. And then Cordy Taylor had and the crew were there about six, seven years ago. Yeah. Since then, they have probably won a total number of games that UConn wins in a season. Hmm. Probably. I'd have to do some research to get the exact number of wins from 2010 to now. Hmm. But I know they had a three-win season, six-win, three-win, six, things like that in the last handful of years. It goes back to what Doc said about a commitment from the administration. Starts from the top. If you want to be successful, you have to invest in the program, in the women's basketball team. If you don't, then you will be satisfied with the results that you see on the court. And now, Hunter Yurchek, the AD at U of H, has been, I've seen him at a the, uh, handful of women's games this season. Uh, he hasn't looked thrilled, just by the facial expressions that I see on his face, that I sitting in my seat, see him across the court. Yeah, it's hard to do that when you're getting blasted. You know, exactly. Now, I'm not going to think for him. I'm not going to put words in his mouth. I do have to speak to him, but as an alum, one, but also as a member of the media, two, to get his thoughts to what he expects of the program. If he wants women's basketball to be like, say like it is, stick with it. If you want women's basketball to rise up first to be like Tulane, Hell, now SMU, you basically got the best basketball program in the conference in Texas. Wow. Mm -hmm. Men and women. SMU men's basketball is better than UA men's basketball. SMU men's basketball now with Travis Mays as head coach is not better than UA women's basketball. It's, it's ironic because Travis Mays interviewed <laughs> for the job at U of H. Wow. Now. Twice. And, and I'm, I'm going to make this short and quick. KJ and I have no for a fact that some coaches that are now head coaches elsewhere in Power 5 program, as he said, not just once, not just twice, several times, and never got past beyond either a phone call, an introduction, and that was it. Didn't even get an interview. It was just making an inquiry. So it never got to a sit down 
as we see each other face to face. And I go back to what I said, I started out with consistency and coaching. If you're going to make a decision on a, out of administration, make a good one, especially in women's basketball. You have to make the best one or a great one. You need to make a good one. <laughs> because at some point, you got to get somebody that's gonna that you're gonna that's gonna sit you down in a room and say it's gonna take me this long to get this correct because I can't run anybody off because now if you do that you you've got to hire a compliance person to watch that kid move on from school to school until that kid graduates because now as Doc says NC2A has put in these uh, stipends where Scholarships can be pulled or added within the amount of time that you're there to keep you from succeeding, especially on the women's side, because now girls are starting to change out. They're starting to move on. Not because of not being able to play, but because they don't like the atmosphere. They don't like the environment. It's not about education anymore. Kids are, uh, somebody's Parents are making the decision for a kid that's going to school instead of the kid making decisions like I need to sit my butt down and deal with this because as you tell them it's okay to move on, you're telling them the rest of your life if it gets hard or too hard for you, baby girl, you can move. Move yeah, forward. away. No. No, right. The only thing I would add to that is we have to be careful with that is that is in the context is that these same young ladies are watching these coaches do the same thing. Oh, no. They are also watching administrators do the same thing. So I think what you're saying is, is important and it is real, but I think we have to be careful in looking again at the totality of the pitches. They, they, they are hearing you say be committed, but everybody around them is not committed. And I get that, Doc. That's not I, real. I, I, I understand That's not real. That. And I always, and I, my fallback, rightly or wrongly, did the person leave to a better situation, either because of being able to... Right, yeah, and you can shape it how you want, but that's how they thinking. They're saying the but same now, thing. If my situation is not good, I'm moving to a better situation. And I'm not saying I disagree with you, but all I'm saying is, is we have to get out of the mentality just because young people are young that they're gonna do what we say and they are not watching what we do. And I, it's, I understand. We cannot, as a society, do things, and I'm saying on every level. Okay. Not just sports. We cannot say certain things and think that other folks don't watch and see and mimic that. Do what we I as do, a, what I do. Right. As an older generation, we are so quick to throw our young people under the bus. The problem with that framework is young people learn from us. They're not just eating this up, quote unquote, because they're listening to some music or television shows. In fact, even if that's the case, we develop that. We've encouraged that. We've enriched that. They are doing everything that they are, we have allowed them to do. So it will not change unless we as an adults change our behaviors. Hmm. And let me say real quick, I want to tie back to your base before we wrap it up because we got, we got to get out of here. 
U of H women's basketball has some talent in the freshman and sophomore class. So the recruiting, I think, has improved. The upper class, juniors and seniors, uh, the less I say about them, the better. Oh. Hmm. Okay? Hmm. I don't want to be too critical of them. Sure. But you see basketball as long as I've seen it, you know where talent lies on the, on the, on the team. Mm -hmm. It's not up there in junior or senior compared to the freshmen and sophomores. Mm -hmm. But U of H is not rich. It's not a wealthy program. They're going to a new facility in two years because the, the uh, Tim Fertitta Center right. is going to break ground at the end of this season. That's significant. So one more season, it'll, it'll be a vagabond program for 17-18. And then 18-19 season will open up in the brand new Fertitta Center. So I would be surprised, not saying it's going to happen sooner, but I'd be surprised if U of H decides to make a move after this season and hire a new coach simply because they're going to go to a, the new building in two seasons and why put a new coach in a vagabond situation sure. if, you know, unnecessarily. It's easy to do. You know, now, if a, if a new coach knows everything's going on, these are expectations, going to be traveling around the city, playing in different venues, you know, game in, game out. May have a crowd. They may have some, some more, media cool than, <laughs> more media than, than fans. Yeah, fans. if they are cool with those and understand it, and you feel like you got a head coach that is right for your program, you ride it out for this coming season, and then expect big things in the brand new building, then make that move. Mm -hmm. If you're not cool with it, don't have the money for it, then you just stick with the current coach staff, and then the new building comes out, make that change. So we'll see how, how that all plays out. But I'm pretty sure at the Women's Final Four in Dallas, there'll be a lot of coming. We're going to hear some folks come up to me and say, KG, KG, what you hearing, man? What you hearing? Yeah, uh, yeah you, you know. Because I hear them all the time. <laughs> but they're going to make a move. They're going to make a move. So we'll see. I may hear some things, you know, a little birdie coming in my ear. I hear some certain things that certain folks at U of H don't want me to know. Hmm. You know, I'm a proud U of H alum. Hmm. I ride it out of my school. But there are some folks over there who are not fond of what I say on these podcasts, what I put on blogs and on my website. I'm cool with that. Sure. Because I'm not throwing it out I'm not throwing stuff out there that I haven't heard and that I haven't verified. So like I said at the beginning of these podcasts, we don't deal in alternative facts. We deal in facts on the on this podcast. And that's how we're gonna do it. I'm glad you joined us on this podcast. Charles hope you can come back and, and uh Feel free to, to uh, chime in on future podcasts. Anything wrap up in inclusion, sir? No, sir. Uh, two things. Well, uh, one, uh, later this week, North Texas State will ride, run it. Uh, ride Saturday, it. right? Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah. yeah Saturday. Uh, it's a 2 o'clock game. Well, it's a, it's a day game. Everybody's trying to get stuff out of the way to not be infringing on the next day. Thank goodness. Uh, because traffic right now is a headache downtown, folks. I will say this because I was, today was my first day down at down there. Don't, <laughs> don't. If you, if, if you don't have to find a place to park on the fringes and then walk, this will become a walking city for a week. Yes, <laughs> uh, and you need to understand that. So that means get you some. And some, that includes the Rockets. Yes. Rockets have home games Tuesday, yes. Thursday, and, and Friday. Friday. Dear God, why did you schedule and home games this week? There is a 90-minute door. Entertainment. They want to need try to catch some of that money of folks. Well, no, downtown. they want additional entertainment. It is going to be a headache, but if you think if you stay in downtown, though, it's easy. You can just walk over to the game. Yeah, 
uh, and there are 90 minute doors. It may, a couple of days, we may even have a, a two hour door, meaning that doors may open at five. Right. Mm. Um, and I also have a, a, a late game schedule this week for, for TV. I think. I hope not. I got to check my schedule to make sure. He, he's he's covered it, so he uh, got to go. Let me yeah. tell you, um, eight o'clock starts is not a good day for mm. anybody because the he next day you got to go Friday, I think, or something like that. I hope I had the eight o'clock start. Uh, and God bless them; they, they all went in, and I did put in a a a, a vote for. James Harden this Thank time you, around. Sir. Welcome to the James Harden fan club. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Took you enough time. Hey, the man finally, you know, he, he, he's, he's, he's putting it on his shoulder right he's now. He's passing the ball. 51 <laughs> 13 and 13 Friday night. He, he put 51 he, he points, put it on his shoulder. 13 rebounds, and 13 assists. He put it on his shoulder. I, and, 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 and I had to give him credit. He's putting it on his shoulder this time around. Uh, whatever transpired now between he and uh, uh, the other day, when that was a, a ruckus, a, a little small ruckus. Who? Uh, who? James and uh, uh, was it Decker or uh, Anna? Oh no, that's, that's, that's nothing. Um, no, and Patrick Beverly and, and Sam got that stuff too. And, and you know, it's, 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 and it's, get, it's getting corrected, but I will have to give them credit. They are moving into another level. They, if they stay on this pace here, they could get uh, uh, one of the top four spots. That means they they'll be at home for. Losing the first round, whatever. Grizzlies in the first round, they're gonna lose. Yeah, that's that, a tough matchup. That, that, exactly. I don't know what I don't know what that that's is with them, point. but they right now just they kind of they they just kind of like whatever you put out, whatever fight you put out on the floor, it doesn't matter what the chemistry is. If everything rolling right, Memphis is still ahead of you. I don't know what it's that, that. It's the just a matchup. Styles make yeah, fights. Styles That's what they say. You know, the, the, the Randolph guy, or the Gasol guy. I, yeah. They just do things different. Mm-hmm. But the Clippers are banged up. Rockets are better than Rockets are not better than the Warriors. They're not better than the Spurs yeah. in the seven game series. Now everybody else, they, they got matched up well with except the Grizzlies. And let's not act like and Utah could probably get in some problems. But Oklahoma City just. I don't know what's going on with them. Tries to pl- outplay the Rockets for the, the wrong reason. Right, wrong and that just doesn't work. You <laughs> yeah. have enough weapons to beat the Rockets as they currently constructed mm-hmm. to beat them in a seven-game series. That's not going to happen. And then Denver, not going to happen. So if it's Memphis or Utah are the probably shakiest matches for the Rockets in their first round. Other than that, Rockets mm-hmm. are going to move on to the second round. And then we'll see how things go after that. But I'm about to take. They're not gonna get to the NBA finals. Not like they're gonna get it twisted. Yeah. Okay. Because their offense is great when their threes are falling. Sure. When the threes are falling. Yeah. Their defense is solid. It's okay. Unless you're playing a team that cannot punish them in the paint. It's okay. Like Memphis. Sure. And like Utah. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how things go. But I'm glad they're winning. It makes it more fun, makes more interest interest for me and my website and Twitter. I still like to see more people attend the games here in town. Oh. Because late, late, late comers, you looking almost like an late. LA crowd. Yeah, that's bar. <laughs> it's, bar, it's bad for TV. Yeah. Because now that the Rockets are in that, in that mode now, then you will agree. You know, TV has started to like gather around them and accepting them and says, okay, we can hit a switch and change that over. 
Bourgeois. You know, move over to the Rockets game. Bourgeois fan base? Oh, man. Because <laughs> <laughs> it ain't football. And speaking of it, then I'm going to be done. Doc, Charles, February 1st. I'm, I, I'm getting something from, from Preview every day. Every day about signing day. What if you are uh, uh, a hose getting filled? Yeah, they feeling good what they're going to do at Prairie View, but let's be honest, everybody feels good about signing this. But, but you know... But what I've, like, recently I've seen a report that comes out of the MEA fans and some, uh, that actually does analysis, and now even HBC Sports, that looks at signing day back after four years. So I think that's when you really get to get analysis of whether you should have been excited before or not. But no, I think Texas Southern... In regards to what they're doing, they're very excited about pieces of the puzzle they're bringing in. Uh, I mean, you have what I would call the toughest division in sports in the SWAT. Certainly in terms of FCS and without a question, HBCU sports. The SWAC Western Division mm-hmm. is four teams deep. Mm-hmm. If it's not five, it's not five. Yeah. It's about and the reason I say five because we got out the information as you talk about our sources that Pine Bluff that recently won a championship less than five years ago, I'm, right? Yeah. Is now got a commitment from the administration and athletic directors to fully fund that program. Okay, so they've had a coach that shows you if he can fund the program, he can find the pieces and bring you a championship. So it may take him a year. Or two to do it, mm-hmm. but financially, in terms of the commitments of doing the full scholarships, uh-huh. Pine Bluff is back in the football business. Mm-hmm. And I know you have a connection to that. Oh, you yeah. happen to hear that, right? Oh, yeah. Well, right. we've seen what they're doing in Texas Southern. Oh. We know Coach yeah. Haywood it has the ability to get it done. There's without a doubt that Texas Southern Athletic Director will make a commitment to athletic, man. We have a new he president he, here, he ain't about just Dr. Just Austin Lane. Like hey, he has not changed anything in terms of his commitment to athletics. So as far as we see in terms of what we talked about earlier is the commitment. The commitment's there. We know Haywood has the pedigree and the experience to get it done. So he's in the weeds. We see every day if you follow in social media platforms. If you following the folks within NCAA uh, regulations, mm-hmm. the folks that are having visits, they're signing some players that have made commitments that should be able to get it done. Yeah. You down the street, as you talking about prayer of yours, they're trying to get everybody down there to talk about their oh, recruiting class. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Coach Simmons has openly said his goal is to make this program a championship program, not just a championship team, which Prairie has done recently, mm-hmm. similar to Pine Bluff. So he's in the in the argument. They're getting it done. If you watch, if you listen to Carlos Brown's show that he does out of Baton Rouge, he had a recruit on talking about Southern and to some degree Grambling. They're getting kids not only out of the Southern area. Grambling is sneaking down to Baton Rouge. Grambling is sneaking over to Dallas, Houston. Uh, Southern is sneaking over to Houston. They're getting players out of Mississippi. Alcorn is getting players out of Houston and Dallas. What I believe the Celebration Bowl has done, I'm sure to the MEAC, because I'm talking to coaches up there out of Norfolk State, Uh Morgan State, the transfer effect that we talk about with these players going into Morgan State. And I'll let Charles get some names to kind of get on to that. 
the football business in terms of what they're doing in the HBCU Squack and MEAC has turned up a notch with quality of coaches, quality of financial commitment, and therefore college, uh, also uh, in terms of facilities and therefore, as I should say, the quality of players. So signing day is going to be fascinating for a lot of people. They're all going to be excited, but it'll be interesting when it tips off what we usually say in September, but as the uh. football schedule came out with Texas Southern going to FAMU in August, last week in August, it's going to kick out a week early. It should be fun. Is that a road trip? It might be a road trip. Yeah, I'm on it. I'm already there. Y'all won't be on it. But before I close out on my HBCU sports, I got to give some love to basketball where your heart is heavy. What's going on? Uh, Get out of some of this football mode um, because we'll have a chance to do that. But Virginia Union, that Mm. was undefeated. They went down the show on conference four, not yeah. HBCU, seventy nine to seventy five. That was a home loss. A lot of calls that really had the crowd naming with it, but you got to give credit to the Hawks of show on. They get it done, seventy nine seventy five, taking down previously undefeated Virginia State. To give you some updates there, we had Wiley College coach Coach Sticks, as he likes to be called, Jameis. Uh, Getting on and talking about what they did, they continue to get it done. Wiley College gets it done, seventy-nine to fifty-eight, beating their rival, Texas College. Big time matchup there. They're ranked number eleven nationally. They've defeated the previously number one team at the NIA level. They have the other number one team in their conference, LSU Alexandria, that they did lose to, but they have a rematch that they're looking forward to. So that we'll keep you updated on that. That's what's going on in terms of the men's side and the women's side for the CIAA. Should be interesting to continue to follow as we see these teams getting it done. Let me give you one more in regards to what took place uh, in terms of the women's side. You have Langston beating the LSU Alexandria. Houston Tillerson getting that win over Texas College in terms of women's basketball. But another game that is big that doesn't probably get to do it does in terms of rivalry game. It's called the Crosstown Classic in New Orleans between Dillard and Xavier. On the men's side, Dillard is continued to make a name for themselves. They defeat their Crosstown rival. That's a big victory. If anybody knows about that Crosstown Classic, as they call it, Dillard really trounces Xavier 104-71 to to get it done as Dillard is finding a way to be ranked uh, in terms of what they like to do in basketball. So kudos to them. Talladega is ranked number 15, so a lot of good basketball played at the NIA level, particularly at the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference. But the women and Xavier get it done and with a nip and tuck victory over Dillard, 68 to 66, to give you some updates there. When we take it to the Division One level, on the men's side, not a lot of controversy in terms of upsets. I will say that Prairie View got it done against Alabama A&M. Mm-hmm. Not a big surprise, but the fact is the head coach was not on the sideline, nor was the second assistant. They sent out information saying they had a minor violation, uh, three level, which is right below the lowest, which is four. So they set out the coach, but the assistant coach got it done against Alabama A&M, which is significant when you are setting out with a couple of players and the coaches. That's something to keep our eyes on to see if it was just a one-game suspension or is this something that will go on a little further than that. 
But the fact that Prairie View coach was able to get it done, the assistant coach getting in there, a lot of kudos to him. Yeah. When you come back on up the road, if you would, to Texas, the big game was between Alabama State and Texas Southern on the mm-hmm. women's side. Mm-hmm. And Texas Southern was coming off two road losses. Right. Very tough road losses as they were previously ranked number one. They dropped out of that spot. But they had a hot Alabama State team that beat t- Southern that is playing some pretty good basketball that threatened them. And if you know anything about SWAC basketball between those three schools, they've been in a hunt for regular season championships and conference championships with Texas Southern and Southern time for some championships. All three teams tied last year for the regular season championship with Alabama State getting it done in the tournament for their second consecutive tournament victory. Well, guess what? The Lady Tigers woke up and said, don't sh- quiet us or think shot us, cut us out late. They got it done. Four-point victory over the Hornet, Lady Hornets of Alabama State. So kudos to Coach Janetta Haynes-Perry. She got it done. Big victory for her. Sucks her up, and we'll continue to watch as we're talking about closing up on the first half of the season for many HBCUs, particularly for the Swack and Miak. We might give you some grades next week of what's going on. So listen to us Tuesday, and we give you some indications. So we'll certainly do some grades for you there. Sure. But, Charles, what are your thoughts on some of these games that took place this past weekend? Well, I think something that jumps out to me is uh, parity is starting to form, uh, especially on, on the SWAC side. Uh, we, we've seen, uh, we saw Alabama State tremendously competitive with Texas Southern last night. Mississippi Valley beat Texas Southern this past week. And you turn right back around, uh, Jackson State, which has been on a 3-4 game losing streak, and now they beat Mississippi Valley State, who beat Texas Southern. We saw Alcorn beat Southern last night. So uh, you really, night to night, you're not sure what you're going to see. So you're starting to see the kind of, uh, I think, what conference commissioner might be looking for is that parity within the league uh, where there's uh, interest in the regular season. We talked about UConn. At least you had that over the SWAT. You don't have a dominant team, which is a little different from the MEAC. Mm-hmm. You had those teams starting to separate themselves. Right. North Carolina Morgan Central. State, mm-hmm. North Carolina Central, very solid. I'm looking forward to that matchup. There's a lot of ways that's probably going to decide the regular season championship. Mm-hmm. So you give them credit. On the women's side, Norfolk State and Hampton, the right. rivalry between yep. the two mm-hmm. schools. Uh, and on the women's side, it was really close uh, with Hampton just getting it done <laughs> over mm-hmm. Norfolk State, two-point victory there. So I'll be interesting to see how that goes down the stretch. But those teams are separating themselves from everybody else. Women's side in terms of the MEAC, Norfolk State and Hampton. On the men's side, you talk about Morgan State and North Carolina Central. Should be interesting to see what's going on there. Tennessee State out of the OVC came in with a flash. They're struggling. They've yeah. lost three out of the last five. Very talented team, but they did some roll boxes. They get in the country, can't get it done. The last thing I will say here is don't be too disappointed about Stillman College. Obviously, they left the SIAC, but they still are in the weeds. They had a big win as it looks like they're going to join the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference playing some games. That's quietly what I put out there for the table for those, so don't be surprised if they get it done. But they beat Tougaloo, Stillman College on the women's side, 79-67 victory. And they got it done also on the men's side, Stillman College 88 over Tougaloo 83. So Stillman Tigers are finding a way to maintain some of the sporting programs as obviously many have heard that they've left the NCAA Division II out of the SAC. 
So they're looking at uh, maintaining some programs as they try to maintain their institution as well as programs, athletic programs that is, at the NIA level. So I did want to share that because they have something to celebrate in terms of those big victories That's huge. Uh, in terms of in-state rivalries now that may take up between Stillman College and Tougaloo College as well. Awesome. So to wrap it up with this note, um, the SWAC announced that they have formed a local organizing committee for the uh, SWAC basketball tournament that's going to take place here in Houston March 10th and 11th. It's just a two-day tournament. It's just going to be for the semifinals and the championship game. But the um, organizing committee will represent, uh, includes membership, includes members representing uh, Houston organizations and will be responsible for marketing, fundraising, and fan engagement. It's a 12-member committee, even though I kind of 13 names in the press release. But uh, anyway, anything, any, any names stand out or groups? Uh, yes, Hicks. But I want Jim Hicks is one of my one of our buddies is on is part of the uh, committee. So uh, we got to end there. So I ain't worried about all that at okay. all. So yeah, but kudos no to, CW. to the SWAC. No, no RC. For, or, or no, no, for no uh, Dr. Bill either. So, but the SWAC has announced a local organized committee for the upcoming basketball tournament which take place at Toyota Center March 10th and 11th semifinals and championship game. So I look forward to that. Gentlemen, thank you for your time. Thank you for your knowledge. Thank you for your insight. I'm going to wrap it up. As I always do, in conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more.